What is up? We're back. Happy Tuesday. It is November 24th. It is the week of Thanksgiving. This is Football Life presents the Audible. How is it almost Thanksgiving already? I have no idea. Uh, I am your host, Randy Hammond, joined by my co-host, Matt Bushnell. And Matt, this is a rare week where we're both in a good mood because neither of our teams lost this week. Yeah, it's kind of funny that the bye week fell on the same week for your Giants and my Bears. It really is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, happy times here on the Audible this week. And uh, just some housekeeping uh, notes off the top. This will be our only show of the week given the holiday. So uh, we hope you are spending it in a safe way and enjoying it with your family the best way you know how. So wherever you are, thank you for listening. And we're going to get uh, a huge show out of the way for you early this week and give you the rest of the week to check it out. Maybe you listen to it on Thanksgiving. Maybe you're kind of hanging out by yourself. Who knows? Um, but we're going to kind of review week 11 here and then we're going to get into some games from uh, week 12 coming up we're going to break down the thanksgiving games maybe talk about some things we're doing on thanksgiving give you guys some tips uh talk some fantasy and injuries and news along the way matt and this is a big show this is gonna be a long one so we're in it for a long run here uh, kind of like how tom brady's been in the nfl for a long run here but it's looking like it's nearing the end because monday night football it's one of those weeks, and he's had a couple so far this year where Tom Brady looks just a little bit too old, and he threw a game-losing interception for the Bucks last night against the Rams on Monday Night Football, losing 27-24, to and when he got outplayed by Jared Goff in primetime, I kind of had questioned your uh, ability to still play at an elite level, Matt. Yeah, I, the Brady thing to me is what I thought might have happened. I, I didn't think Brady was going to be this good all season, and he, he was good early on. But when you're this old, what do you expect out of this guy? He's played a long time, and now he's gotten hit throughout the course of the season. The offensive line hasn't been the best. They rely too much on the pass, in my opinion. So you open up Brady to more abuse. And he's 40, what, two, 41 years old? I believe he's 43. 43, there you go. Like, How much more did you expect out of this quarterback this year? And it's a bad sign if you're a Bucks fan because against good teams, he has not been good against those defenses that he might see in the playoffs. We're talking Saints. We're talking Bears. We're talking Rams. Those, you know, maybe he faces one of those. I think against teams like the Packers who are kind of soft. But really, you know, it's. I think the playoffs are going to go through Seattle or New Orleans, one of the two. And I don't think Brady can beat either one of those teams. And if he draws the Rams, it's going to be a long-ass game for them. So to me, this is a terrible sign if you're a Bucks fan that, you know what, Brady picks up that option or that option's exercised for next year. You're going to have the even worse issues, I think. Yeah, you're starting to see, and I, I think we saw this with Breeze a couple years ago where you felt like he was hitting that wall. You know, eventually, you know, father time is undefeated. It's taken longer for Tom, to his credit, um, but you're seeing it now with Philip Rivers. You saw it with Eli Manning. It happens to everyone. Peyton Manning, it happened to probably the harshest where he played at an elite level in 2014, I thought, and the 2015, he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the entire league. Now the Broncos were still able to win because they had a great defense and some some good players around Peyton on the offensive side of the ball. And that's where the Bucs are going to end up being able to overcome this side of Tom Brady. And it's not to say Tom Brady's been bad all year because Brady is still top five in touchdowns, top five in yards. uh, But he's also top five in in turnovers. And he's looked, he's had a couple of these games where the arm strength doesn't look there and he's very immobile. He's never been mobile to begin with, but now it's very much, 
if he's getting any pressure at all, he's spiking it down, trying not to get hit. And I get it. You're 43. He's probably just trying to preserve himself as best as possible, but you're playing football. So you got to have to hang in there and make some of these throws uh, when, the, when the going gets tough. And now Brady was 26 to 48, 216 yards, two touchdowns and two picks. That one pick being late in the game, brutal overthrow. <laughs> and you can't really make that decision there, uh, especially when your team is relying on you to lead you in the two minute drill. So you're Tom freaking Brady. You've done this a million times in your career, but I'll say this about Tampa. This, this is a trend with them. Every time they lose a game, they do not run the ball effectively. They had less than 50 yards rushing as a team. Once again, I believe this is the fourth time they've done this and that's all four of their losses. Ronald Jones had 10 carries for 10, 24 yards Fournette seven for 17. I don't care who your running back is. I don't, it's the bottom of my heart. I do not care, but you have to establish that running game. It's going to open up so much more. It's going to help out Gronk. It's going to help out everyone else on that offense. And that is the fundamental problem with the Bucks and Bruce Arians play calls, Matt. And you're probably a little familiar with that, with this Cardinals days. Yeah. I, I thought this was a Bruce Arians problem to begin with. I, you know, my biggest concern was how was Bruce going to deal with Brady and what was he going to call an offense? Because Bruce has always been a pass, you know, first guy attack, 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 attack. You know, he had a motto down here said no risk it, no biscuit. So, I mean, that tells you all about this guy. So m- my personal thoughts on it, if you don't run the ball, you don't establish the run. It really puts your defense against the wall because any defense that has to spend, you know, an enormous amount of time on the field is going to get beat. I don't care how great your offense may be or how great your defense may be. If you expose those units, you know, offense by not giving enough opportunities or defense not getting off the field. So, you know, your offense can take over. It creates problems. And we saw cracks in that Bucks defense later in the game when they Rams started running the football camp. You know, it wasn't great, but I think you see more of a commitment from the Rams trying to run the football than you did see with the Bucks, And it's concerning. I get that you have Aaron Donald against there, but your best friend against a pass rush is a running game because it takes that defender a second to decide, do I need to attack the running back or do I need to attack the quarterback? Been the Bucks problem. All you, like, like you said, Randy, it's been a problem. And I go back to coaching, but also, I think on Brady's last interception, and I, I think what you're seeing is an old man who knows where he wants to go with the football, but he can't physically do it anymore. Um, I'd have to see that play again, but I do I do believe a wide receiver was cutting downfield that may have been open that he just couldn't get the ball to. Yeah. You know, it, it looks like he may have overthrew Bray, but I, I think he was trying to go deeper. Yeah, it's it very much reminds me of Peyton Manning in 2015. I don't think Peyton Manning ever had the greatest arm ever, but he really looked like a shell of himself at the end. And it's not to that point completely with Brady, but there are instances where you see the lack of arm talent to this point in his career where he loses that arm strength. And it happens to everyone. And look, he's 43 years old. Credit to him for it taking finally this long for it to happen. But uh, the rest of his weapons uh, are going to carry him to where they need to go. And it's not going to be because of Tom Brady like we're so accustomed to. Now, on the other side of the ball, uh, the Rams didn't do much better rushing the ball. Actually, they probably did a worse job. They had 20 carries for only 37 yards. But like you said, at the end of the game, and it's situational, they did run the ball better in the second half. But Jared Goff, 39-51, 376 yards, three touchdowns, two picks of his own. But this game for the Rams was all on two wide receivers, Cooper Cup, 11 catches for 145 yards, and Robert Woods, 12 catches for 130 yards and a touchdown. These two are underrated receivers. Many of them don't look – I mean, you look at the, the Bucks receivers and Antonio 
Brown, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. You don't consider these guys to be on that level, but man, they played their asses off last night. I think it's time we start looking at them. I think the thing that really gives them not the respect that they deserve is because they don't make those huge chunk plays. Like they're not taking it 70 yards to the house for a touchdown. And I think that kind of puts a little bit of stain on them. But these guys are like vacuum cleaners. You throw the ball their way, they're sucking it up. I mean, Mm -hmm. they catch everything in sight. They run crisp routes. This may be the best route running tandem wide receiver duo in the entire NFL. It's really hard to really say, you know what? These guys don't run really good routes because they do. If the Rams just had a tight end, you know, and I know we talk about tight ends and, uh, and other systems, but man, if the Rams had a tight end, this offense would be really, really good. Um, probably higher than what they're ranked already. I, I think they're still a top 10 offense. So kudos to Sean McVay. I think a lot of that is scheme. But the Rams could be dangerous in the playoffs. I, I, I don't want to take them lightly. But kind of like we said here, you got to run the football because we're seeing teams play in comfortable conditions. Tampa. And the Rams, that they played in a comfortable environment in Tampa. Um, you know, they go to SoFi, it's a comfortable environment. But if you have to go to Green Bay, if you have to go to Seattle, you, you, it's going to be hard to throw the ball there mid-January. So you really have to find footing on the ground game, in my opinion. Yeah, the Rams are very much a team that gets too cute on occasion, but they have absolute dogs for wide receivers on the outside. So uh, I love watching those guys play. And like Leon said, it almost does feel like Goff holds them back a little bit, but Goff is, you know, the SpongeBob SquarePants of the NFL. <laughs> as long as McVay tells him where to go with the football, he's fine. Uh, but it's going to be hard if they have to go play in weather somewhere for sure. But Rams, by the way, seven and three now, tied with the Seahawks for the lead, lead or for the uh, NFC West lead. That division is stacked, and we underestimated the Rams big time in the offseason, and here they are uh, tied for the top of that division. Actually, they lead the division since they have the tiebreaker over the Seahawks. Uh, Corey Richmond asks our thoughts on the 2021 semifinalists for the Hall of Fame. Corey, stay tuned. We were going to get to that after the game recaps, so please bear with us. Uh, we will have some thoughts on that in just a bit. Uh, moving on now to the sun- Sunday Night Football, another great primetime matchup in the AFC West. The Kansas City Chiefs getting revenge on the Oakland Raiders for the only loss of the season, and it's Mahomes magic late. The Chiefs win 35-31 despite all the Raiders uh, being on the COVID-19 list. So credit to the Raiders for battling back or, you know, fighting hard in this game, but also Pat Mahomes insane. Yeah, the Raiders, how can you not like the Raiders football team if you're a football fan? I mean, this is just a really well-coached football team. As much shit as John Gruden gets, he's a really, really, really top-notch coach. I love Gruden. I don't think he gets enough respect. And if you're asking me who the coach of the year right now is, it's John Gruden in my book just because of how he has this team fighting. I love that team and how they're put together. Bright future there. You would go Gruden over Flores? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Wow. I, I, Gruden has the better wins. Okay. I'll say that. Um, he's beat the Saints and he's beat the Chiefs. Okay. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. Flores just lost to the Broncos. So yeah. we'll get to that as well. That that was not a pretty game. <laughs> so, you know, I give the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, a ton of credit. They fought, they fought, and they fought. But what we keep seeing, and if teams haven't learned their lesson, is you cannot give Patrick Mahomes a minute to come back against you. You you have to figure out every way to bleed that clock and give Mahomes like 10 seconds. And mm-hmm. even that might be a little too much depending <laughs> on what happens. Yeah. But 
you know, Andy Reid said it, you know, when, when they asked, like, when you had a minute 45 left, you know, how'd you feel? Like, I, I felt fine. I got my homes. So, you know, that's essentially what it is. He's got the, uh, and, uh, you know, I'm going to keep on beating this drum. And I know people may disagree with it. Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen, you know, and we could talk about body of work. We could talk about, you know, he hasn't done it long enough. I believe at a certain point, football relies on eyes and what you see. Trust what you see, because what you see is not lying to you. Mahomes can manipulate the pocket. He's probably one of the smartest football players you'll ever see on the field at this point. And it's almost like he's playing in the Matrix for our sci-fi fans there. He is Neo in the Matrix. He sees things that nobody else can see. And he just knows everywhere to go with the football. To me, it's also like you see the talent that he has. It's the arm strength and the mobility and the accuracy. Uh, and But it's also the mental side of it. And when you play football, especially a position like quarterback, it's so easy for a pass rush to get you rattled or a defense to get in your head. And you never see that with him. His mental toughness is insane. In every situation, no matter, he just he could just get hit by uh, Aaron Donald and he's going to get right back up and go, all right, Kelsey, I need you to run this route or I'll need you to do this. Like I see so many quarterbacks get the shakes back there and they're legit terrified of getting hit. Mahomes always looks like he's so cool back there. So calm, so collected. And you pair that with, all right, we got a minute 45 left. We're down. We're winning this game. There's no doubt in my mind, like that confidence on top of those two other things. Yeah. To me, he is the best quarterback that I've ever seen. I think there's a different conversation between best and greatest. I think he's on pace to be the greatest bar, bar none. We obviously need to see that play out, but I don't criticize you for that take because I mean, look at him, just watch him play. It's have you ever had more confidence in a quarterback in any situation, in any game than you've had in Pat Mahomes in the last two, three years. I have, I've said it on this podcast and I'll say it again. If the chiefs are down by 30 points after halftime, I still think they could win that game. Like I have very little doubt. I don't think there's a point spread that you can pick where Mahomes can't come back. Maybe 50 is the mark, maybe 40. I don't know, but I don't trust a 30 point lead against Mahomes. And I don't care what defense it is. I, I, I wouldn't put the bears defense against it. I don't trust the Rams defense against it. I don't trust the bucks defense. I, I don't think there's anything you can do to stop him because what they have done is probably put one of the greatest offensive minds, Andy Reid, with his quarterback and Patrick Mahomes. And it has been otherworldly. So now you have to try to, you know, you got Andy Reid there. Now you gave him a running game. You gave Patrick Mahomes a running game. So literally it's pick your poison. But like you said, you can hit him. Go ahead. It doesn't phase the guy. He doesn't care. There's no moment He's already won the biggest moment of his career, Randy. He won the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. by far the biggest moment. He's won an MVP, Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, I believe. Like, and this is his third season. Yeah, he's been in the AFC Championship game twice. To me, what he's going to do throughout his career, I think the ceiling is scary because you don't know how good this is. This is his third year. Where is the ceiling? And we're going to find out. 
Yeah, and I didn't expect this to turn into a full-blown Mahomes conversation, but, you know, it's it's fair because he's it's warranted every week. He, he's incredible, and uh, he's the most fun player to watch uh, in the last few years, and he's going to continue to be the best quarterback in the league. I wanted to talk about the other quarterback in this game because I feel uh, as if he is having a career year and we don't give him enough love. So Derek Carr was 23 or 31, 275 yards, three touchdowns, one pick, had some awesome – audibles at the line you could hear it. it sounded like he was in your living room uh that was one of the cool things about not having fans you could hear him say like mother in georgia or james harden or all these calls but Derek carr's having a great year and as far as like top echelon quarterbacks i don't think he's close to mahomes but i think it's time we start talking about Derek carr as a top 12 guy i don't know what your thoughts are on that what really kind of pulls the curtain back for me and what epitomizes my view of Derek carr is what we've seen at the biggest moments last Sunday night, they get the ball back. I believe they have 30 something seconds left or 40 seconds. I'm not sure how much time they had left. I think it was 30 seconds. That interception was about as bad as it gets, you know, and you can't make those plays if you want to be mentioned in the top five. So top 12, yeah, I, I think he does belong just because we're looking at a lot of quarterbacks that just aren't there. I mean, I kind of put Derek Carr with that Josh Allen class. You know, I don't like Josh Allen. I don't think Josh Allen's that good. I take Derek Carr over Josh Allen, as crazy as that may sound. But at the end of the day, if you're going to be one of those top echelon quarterbacks and you want us to be talking about you like the way we're talking about Mahomes right now, you got to show the fuck up in those moments. You got to be that guy. You know what? Take the 10-yard dump off. Get out of bounds get closer. Don't go for the 30 yard strike in double coverage. When you got a safety over the top of you, I'm sorry, the cornerback over the top of you and a safety playing underneath bracketing that fly route. It, it was just a terrible decision on Carr's part. And Mahomes doesn't make those plays. What, you know, you know, the difference is Mahomes last pass and Derek Carr's last pass. That's mm-hmm. the difference in what you see. Derek Carr, he gets out of the pocket. He's scrambling. That safety's coming up. He's not waiting for Travis Kelsey to sit down in the end zone. Derek Carr's either slinging it out of bounds or throwing it to somebody that is not that open. Mahomes had the wherewithal to wait, to let that safety come up on him and let Kelsey sit down and get that touchdown. Yeah, I'm not comparing the two guys in this game because I don't think it's they're even close to each other. I'm just talking about Derek Carr and the standing of the rest of the league, and I do think he's improved. And even the impact he's had on the Raiders, you think about he came into the league in 2015, the Raiders were terrible. They started off 0-10 with him. And then 2016, they were a playoff team with him. And I think he doesn't get enough credit for even that. Uh, I think the Raiders were such a dumpster fire of an organization that having some stable uh, stableness uh, or stabilization as at the quarterback position is huge for them. And Derek Carr was always, you know, a game manager. He was always kind of Andy Dalton to me. Now he's taken a step forward to me. Now he's a, a guy who you can, he, I don't, I don't want to call him a franchise guy, but he kind of is a franchise. He's getting paid like a franchise quarterback and he's starting to play like one. If they make the playoffs this year in a loaded AFC where there's so many teams making that push, then, you know, Derek Carr deserves a lot of credit for that. Cause I, I mean, you look at Mahomes' weapons and I don't think there's a weakness anywhere. And I think that's a credit to the chiefs and it's a benefit to Mahomes and he does 
make all of those guys look better. But their car's pass catchers, I mean, Nelson Aguilar is his top receiver almost each and every week. And then, yeah, Darren Waller is a stud at tight end, but then it kind of falls off and you're relying a lot on Josh Jacobs. So Derek Carr has way less to work with. I do think when they're healthy, the offensive line is better for, uh, for the Raiders too. But, you know, Derek Carr, along with Gruden, I give credit to Gruden for not giving up on him because we talked about the possibility of him giving up on him. So I just wanted to have this Derek Carr conversation and kind of feel you out on where you would put him. I think yeah. the 12, uh, 10 to 12 range is actually pretty good for him right now. I, I think eight to 12 is fair. I, I absolutely think he's a franchise quarterback. Now, is that an indictment on the quarterbacks that are out there? I, I think so. Well, I, I do, Randy, because I mean, we okay. could go through the quarterbacks. I mean, Breeze is on his last leg. Yeah. I take Derek Carr over Tom Brady right now. I don't care what yeah. anybody says. Tom <laughs> Brady at this point in this season I, I just, I don't like the body of work right now. There's, there's too many holes in Brady's game. He's missing too many wide receivers. I mean, these wide receivers may have been better off with famous James throwing picks to the other team. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but the, the, the overall thing with Derek Carr is he has improved. Gruden has done a great job with him. I, I don't want to take mm-hmm. anything away from him, but Derek Carr benefits from a very good game plan, a very good coaching scheme who relies on the run and the play action pass. So if more teams were able to adopt that style, maybe we'd have better quarterback play in the NFL, but Derek Carr, absolutely that eight to 12 range franchise quarterback. And you know, there's just not that many of them. Yeah. I think the Brady thing is interesting because if you're the bucks, you have a roster that is capable of winning now. So a guy like Brady gives you what you're looking for in a short window, where if you're the Raiders and you're Mike Mayock and you're John Gruden, you're looking to build something that car is a better fit when you're trying to run an organization and you have a guy in place for five to 10 years that you can rely on. So I don't think Brady works for the Raiders, but I think Brady's fine with where he is for a couple of years and the Bucks will move on from him when the time comes. But uh, hold on. before that real quick, I just want to say, I, I am willing to guarantee that the Bucks will not win a playoff game with Tom Brady as their quarterback. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you know, Matt, we are six weeks or so away from the playoffs. We will find out because if the Bucks get one of those NFC East teams, then you might be on to something. But also if it's the Cowboys, like I said, maybe, maybe they do win. All right, Matt, uh, we have the whole rest of the Sunday slate to talk about. Why don't you get us started? Uh, well, I mean, Jesus, Randy. Eagles Browns. I, I mean, if this game isn't an indictment on the NFL. Okay. So let me get a couple things out of the way right now. Um, Kevin Stefanski has done a marvelous job with the Cleveland Browns. I, I tip my hat to him because Baker Mayfield is straight trash. Like what I've seen from Baker Mayfield has not been good overall. And Stefanski realizes, Hey, the less I have to have him throw the football, the better off I'm going to be. Mayfield, 12 for 22, 204 yards. And then, you know, of course, you know, Nick Chubb had a big game, over 100 yards. Cleveland wins 22 to 17. But the big story here is how bad Carson Wentz is. 21 to 35, 235 yards, two touchdowns. And you're like, oh, that's not too bad. But he had two awful, god-awful, some of the worst interceptions you'd ever see. So Wentz has clearly regressed. He is hurting the Eagles more so than not, and they can't get the running game going. Miles Sanders had 16 carries for 66 yards. They have to commit to the run more. But, you know, kudos to Cleveland. I I think they're on the right track at 7-3. and 
quick before I move on here, Kevin Stefanski, our friend Corey Richmond asks, uh, if, you know, he's in the coach of the year conversation. I, I think that that's, that's fair. I think his name should be in there. Absolutely. Um, he has really changed that and he hasn't put the game on Baker Mayfield, which is brilliant to begin with. Yes, you can see the difference between Freddie Kitchens and a competent head coach. All right, moving on to another great coaching job, and it is Sean Payton in New Orleans Saints just beating up on the Atlanta Falcons. And hand up, Matt, you and I both did not like the decision to start Taysom Hill. Uh, and it turns out Sean Payton knows more about football than us. I, I don't want to break that to you, and I, I, it was hard for me to look in the mirror and realize it, but a professional head coach who was a Super Bowl champion a few times knows more about football than me. Unfortunately, you know, not the break I was looking for. But anyway, uh, Taysom Hill, despite some inaccuracies throwing the football, looked really good in this game. 18-23, 233 yards, and 10 carries for 51 yards and two touchdowns. The guy's a playmaker and adds an element to the offense that Drew Brees, quite frankly, doesn't add, or even Jameis Winston, for that matter. You have 51 yards on the ground. Uh, you add an element to the game that, you know, many teams look for with their quarterbacks these days. So uh, Sean Payton, and we probably didn't realize this on Friday, but he had, did say ahead of time that if he had a week to prepare, it was going to be Taysom Hill or, and if Breeze gets hurt mid game, it was going to be Jameis Winston. So we probably should have seen that coming. Uh, I'll address the ESPN situation with fantasy right now. That is ESPN's decision to make him tight end eligible, not mine. Don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at your commissioner. Be mad at ESPN. Anyway, uh, this was uh, not the greatest game for Alvin Kamara. Probably the worst game he's had all season, 13 for 45 and a touchdown. And no catches, which is the first time all season with no catches, because I would argue that Michael Thomas decided to take all of his catches this week for the first time. He actually looked like Michael Thomas, nine catches for 104 yards. Emmanuel Sanders adding four for 66. Uh, and the Saints had a few more big plays that were taken back for penalties. This game wasn't particularly close. And this to me, it, I think that, you know, Hill looked good, but it also helps that you're playing the Falcons. The Falcons stink. I'm not going to talk about them that much. Matt Ryan stunk in this game, 19 of 37, 232 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. Absolutely terrible. Uh, Julio left this game early, only finished 2 of 39. The Falcons, I'm done with them. 3 and 7, get out of my life. The Saints, even with Taysom Hill, you know, they're they're still a team that's scrappy. They're now 8 and 2 and the one seed in the NFC. So looking like they might be uh, that number one seed after all. Yeah. You know, I just want to comment on that. Like I was watching that game and Atlanta's offense, I don't know where it went. Someone needs to put on APB for them because they are missing an action. <laughs> Boy, Randy really put me in a doozy here. He gives he gives me <laughs> Eagles, Browns, and now Bengals, Washington Football Club. It doesn't and, get any easier for me after this, so I don't want to hear it. <laughs> hey, it's who's on your schedule, right? Yep. So I would like to take a moment of silence. It seems like a quarterback once a year, doesn't matter if you play for Washington, doesn't matter if you're playing for a team that's playing against Washington, you're going to lose a season to it, so – Moment of silence for Joe, Joe Burrow's left knee. Very nice. Very nice, everyone. We appreciate that. Joe Burrow is officially done for the year, and we'll get on that later. But he finishes 22 of 34 for 203 yards, one touchdown. And that and a field goal would be the only points that the Cincinnati Bengals, a game that I incorrectly picked, would get for this game. Washington puts up a 20 spot good enough to win 20 to nine. Alex Smith. I think he kind of came back down to earth a little bit. This, this game, 17 of 25, 166 yards and a touchdown. 
Antonio Gibson, a top 10 fantasy running back next year, maybe Mm -hmm. 16 carries, 94 yards and a touchdown. Um, Terry McLaurin really trying to get in that top tier wide receiver for fantasy five for 84. Um, Yeah. And that's kind of where we're at it. You know, AJ green scored, I believe his second touchdown this year. So AJ green four for 41 and a touchdown. Uh, good week for my picks over your picks. So I'm going to mention that every t- chance I get because I did pick the Washington football team. And Leon, be nice to the fat Randys of the world because we deserve love too. And despite his uh, not good kicking week, he's still a nice guy. Okay, leave, leave for Randy Bullock alone. All right, moving on now to said Leon Tompkins' favorite football team, unfortunately, the Detroit Lions. Uh, you want to guess how many points uh, the Detroit Lions scored this past week, Matt? Uh, I, I'm just going to say 10 points. They got 10 points. I, I hope you're sitting because it's 10 less than that. The Detroit Lions got shut out by the Carolina Panthers, which I could not believe from my own eyes that that was a real thing. Um, and with PJ Walker starting a quarterback, the XFL star, the Detroit Lions could not score a measly point. I know you cannot score just one point, but they had a chance for a long field goal. Matt Prater missed. Thanks for the negative fantasy points. I really appreciate it. You kind of cost me there, Matt. Uh, and then Matt Stafford also not playing very well without um, – you don't have your running back, you don't have DeAndre Swift, you don't have Kenny Galladay, but the Lions just had no game plan here. They had no heart. They did not look like they wanted to be there. And I, I think I've heard it on three different podcast platforms. I've heard it on NFL Network. I've heard it on ESPN. Matt, that is a fireable offense, and Matt Patricia needs to go. And I think if they did not play Thursday, there's a real chance that they would have done it. I think if they get embarrassed by the Texans on Thursday, they might do it on Black Friday. Black Friday coming early this year for certain NFL guys. Matt Patricia is a joke. He's got to go. Enough of this guy that you cannot get shut out to the Panthers who are our frisky football team, but I don't think they have a great defense by any means. Um, you have a backup quarterback and PJ Walker. You didn't even make this guy look all that uncomfortable. I think a lot of the mistakes he made were on him. Excuse me. The lions. I cannot believe how bad the lions were in this game. Um, but I'm going to talk less about them because they're, they're sad here. And I'm going to talk about PJ Walker because as we, we talked about on Friday, we uh, wanted to root for him because of his, his XFL career. And he got cut by 12 teams. He played quarterback at Temple, which is obviously the Matt Rule connection there. Um, but he went 24-34, 258 yards, one touchdown, two picks. And he throws a nice ball. Like, I got the chance to watch some of him, him play. And he has an NFL arm. So I, I, I think that he's only going to get better the more he plays. They didn't change the offense at all from him and, and Teddy Bridgewater, which is a good sign to me. Um And, you know, still no CMC. I think he'll benefit from CMC coming back. But Mike Davis did play well, 19 for 64 and a touchdown. I don't know. I liked what I saw from P.J. Walker, especially his connection with D.J. Moore, seven catches for 127 yards. However, I don't know if I can properly judge this because you're playing the damn Lions who could not have looked less interested in being there. So, you know, we'll see what P.J. Walker does going forward. But as far as I'm concerned, you beat the Lions. Congrats. I guess it counts as a real NFL win, but maybe not. I don't know. I, I, I like it. I like P.J. Walker. <laughs> and you know what? I, I just, I just got to say this. The You know, the Lions are about as gutless as you can get with some of this crap because there's no reason they shouldn't be ahead of the Bears in the NFC North. Complete trash, garbage, whatever. Keep Patricia. They're not going to fire them. Anyway, moving on to a team that Randy to this, as of today, they've had the easiest schedule in the entire NFL and it shows 
the Pittsburgh Steelers are rightfully 10-0 by beating a pathetic, sad, just disorganized, uninterested, can't-do-anything-right Jacksonville Jaguar football team. Pittsburgh, um, I've been saying all year, I'm, I'm kind of worried about this team. I think they can cause the Kansas City Chiefs some issues, not only with that great defense, but a guy who went 32 for 46, 267 yards, two touchdowns. He did throw a pick, but big Ben Roethlisberger seems to have that big game thing going for him. I, I really like him in big spots. I trust him. This team has a track record, and they just manipulated, manhandled, did whatever they wanted to the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, the Steelers probably didn't play their best game, evidently. But you can see a team that commits to running the football for 27 carries. And James Conner led it with 13 for 89 yards, which, you know, didn't need to run more than that. Breakout star of the season, Deontay Johnson, 12 catches for 111 yards. That is a fantasy stud in the future. I really like Deontay Johnson. Chase Claypool, who Randy cut this year and who scored four touchdowns in the week that he cut him. Four catches, 59 yards, and a touchdown. Eric Ebron, four for 36 and a touchdown. Um, I'm just going to give you Lutlow's numbers. And it was, I'm sorry, Ludden. Jake Luden, or whatever you want to pronounce his name. I'll, I'll just call him Lutlow because he threw not one, not two, not three, but four interceptions. That'll do it. That will do it. Their best player on the field is James Robinson, 17 carries, 73 yards, obviously no touchdowns. This game was over after the first quarter when it was three to nothing Jaguars because the Steelers went on to score 27 unanswered points. Oh, Jags. Oh, Jacksonville. And can you tell me what round James Robinson was drafted in? Just one more time, please, for the folks watching at home. He was an undrafted free agent. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, just wanted to throw that out there for the folks. Uh, Matt, if you want to chime in on this game review, you can. We've had some brutal games we've talked about so far. This was the game of the week and one of the best games of the year. The Tennessee Titans going into Baltimore and beating the Ravens in overtime 30-24. to It is Tractor Cito season. Derrick Henry is back, 28 carries, 133 yards, and the game-winning touchdown in overtime to stun the Ravens, who had a lead in this game and blew it in the fourth quarter, and it's still the same offensive issues for the Ravens. Lamar Jackson cannot find a groove passing the ball, 17-29, 186 yards, one touchdown, one interception, although my guy J.K. Dobbins had a nice game. Uh, the brushing attack is not the issue for the Ravens. It is 100% of the passing game. And Mark Andrews, 5 for 96 and a touchdown. And then your second leading receiver is Des Bryant, who caught his first pass in three years in this game. The Ravens are borderline broken on the offensive side of the ball. A lot of it has to do with the offensive line. You're losing Ronnie Stanley, which hurts. Marshall Yonder retiring in the offseason hurts. But this, to me, feels like Lamar Jackson has gotten worse. But – uh, the defense also banged up a little bit here, and maybe there's a part of this where they're like, all right, we have the Steelers on Thursday, and we're in one of the last chances to hand them an L. Maybe you're overlooking the Titans, but at the same time, you can't afford to do that in this AFC playoff picture with the Titans being one of the teams that you're competing with in that spot. And it's not like the Titans played great in this game, but they did enough to beat the Ravens, Matt. I don't know. Did you watch this game? To me, this game hundred percent comes down to the Ravens just cannot score enough points to beat teams on a consistent basis. 
Oh, I watched it, and I, I took a lot of notes away from it. Right now, the Ravens feel like they're the Titanic. It, you know, the it's flooding. Things are going, and you know what? The ship's going down, Randy, and they have to fix some of the, these things fast, and I don't think they have the weapons to do it. They don't have a wide receiver that commands really any attention. You can stick an average cornerback on Hollywood Brown and feel okay about it. I don't think people worry about that. So really, all you do is box it in because you know Lamar's going to have to throw inside the numbers. He, he has nothing outside the numbers. And I don't know if it's a Lamar Jackson issue per se right now, but it is a Ravens offense issue right now, and it's costing them games. And they better figure this out quickly because guess what? Cleveland's 7-3, and three, Tennessee is 7-3, and three, and I want to say – Colts are 7-3. Yeah, Colts are seven and three, and that was a huge win. And I know we'll get to that one later, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, th- this is not a good situation to be in if you're the Ravens. No, and I mean, speaking of Hollywood Brown, you probably should drop the Hollywood here and just go by Marquise because he had a line of no catches for no yards and no touchdowns on three targets. So, uh, you know, you're supposed to be a number one guy. You you have not played like that at all. Um, and you know, the Ravens. I know they said they missed Calais Campbell a lot in this game. That's probably true. I don't know if Derrick Henry has quite the success uh, in this game that he does if Calais Campbell plays. I know Calais Campbell's a difference maker. You saw what he did in Jacksonville and the effect that he had on the Ravens early in the season. So I don't doubt that. But, you know, this game, if you, I don't know. I was going to wrap it up by if you get the chance and you haven't seen it, go watch the Derrick Henry overtime touchdown. And Henry's going to like this more so than anyone. He literally runs in the shape of an L and hands Baltimore an L. So I just wanted to point that out for you guys. Henry, you're my guy. You're the one that hands out L's and gets L's probably more than anyone. So uh, check that out, Derek Henry. Tractor Cito season, Matt. I don't know if you know if you're familiar. That's his nickname. Post-Thanksgiving is when he puts the team on his back, and the Titans are here for it. What do we got next? Another just thrilling matchup. Just, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't even know what to say, how I got these slate of games, but <laughs> – the New England Patriots and the Houston Texans. AFC championship game material right here, Randy. This was an upset. I don't know what you're complaining about. <laughs> it was an upset. Houston beats the Patriots. A Bill Belichick disciple in Romeo Cronell comes back and beats Belichick 27 to 20. And really, I think more so than anything else I could say about this game is Deshaun Watson has gotten better at the quarterback position. If he had maybe a wide receiver of the likes of, I don't know, maybe Deandre Hopkins, if they could just find a Deandre Hopkins, maybe if they just had Deandre Hopkins, if only, if only, you know, I know those guys, you know what, you know, what is, if you get a Deandre Hopkins, you never trade those guys. You hold on to them. No, no one ever trades them. Right. No one. No. No, who trades elite wide receivers? I don't know any team that would do that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy. So Deshaun Watson, 28 of 37, 344 yards, two touchdowns. I'm, You know what? I love Deshaun Watson, top five quarterback this year that he's been proving to me. I think he is taking those next steps. And I, I'm going to do a game, break down his throws, and they are really good. He also had six rushes for 36 yards and a touchdown. Duke Johnson, 10 for 15 yards. David Johnson, where are you? I don't see you. Man, good thing they didn't trade DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson. That'd look really bad right now. Uh, Brandon Cooks, four for 85. Jordan Aikens, I've never heard of this kid. Five for 83. Will Fuller, six for 80. So the big targets really spread the ball around. Like I said, I love Deshaun's game. 
And then I, I just got to say this. I know a lot of people are going to talk about Cam Newton and saying that a lot of teams should have signed Cam. But damn it. Like, I, I, all right, this game, he was okay. 26 of 40, 365 yards and a touchdown. To me, this has been a monumental disappointment for Cam Newton and the Patriots. You expect better from this. I'll give them that their entire defense decided to sit out this year for COVID. <laughs> but, you know, Damian Harris, 11 carries for 43 yards and a touchdown. James White, I feels like he's been playing forever. Five carries for 19 yards. The Mary Bird, breakout star this game, possibly six for 132 and a touchdown. That's a guy to keep his eye, keep an eye on. And then we get Nikhil Harry, five for 41. You know, kind of looking like that possession receiver. Yeah, the Cam experiment in New England has, hasn't worked out so far, but he's shown flashes, so if you wanted to give him another chance post-COVID, I wouldn't blame any team for that. All right, moving on to uh, a game that neither of us saw coming because we were very high on the Dolphins coming in, uh, and it's the Denver Broncos, which I guess mile high is one of the tougher places to play. Uh, they would upset the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Drew Locke playing through injuries, 18 of 30, 270 yards, no touchdowns and a pick. But this game was all about the decision by Brian Flores, and I respect this. Uh, and it's Tua Tungavailoa getting benched after going 11 of 20 for 83 yards and a touchdown for Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's for Tua's 12 of 18, 117 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. Afterwards, uh, people were trying to say this was injury-related, and uh, Brian Flores straight up said this was because Tua was playing poorly. What I like about this is that you're sending a message, and you're going to be held accountable for how you play. What I don't like about it is that you cannot just do this every single time Tua plays bad. I think Tua is still early enough in his career where you can get away with this, and hopefully it's a learning experience. And Tua said, hey, I respect Coach's decision. Like, he's going to be hard on me. I understand that, which is a great response by a young kid. And Ryan Fitzpatrick said, you know, we're, we, we embrace Tua. He's still the guy, whatever. But you cannot move forward and say, if Tua is going to play bad, I'm just going to bench him every time the going gets tough because that's going to kill any confidence you have in a guy. It's going to rule. It's going to make the other team's defense think if he starts to play poorly, uh, they're going to take him out of the game. I, I just think that there are times when the going gets tough, you have to ride out with your guy. And I, obviously he's young. He's still a few games into his career. You can get away with this move now. However, I would be worried if you continue with that decision-making process moving forward. But I do like the message he sent as if, as if, if this is just a one-time thing, maybe he did have a foot problem. Okay, fine. Um, but, you know, the Dolphins' defense, they still played well in this game, but this was really about how bad the quarterbacks played for the Dolphins. Uh, and, you know, Melvin Gordon had a nice game, 15 carries, 84 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, and, you know, Tim Patrick, your guy, five catches for 119 yards. He had a nice day. And Jerry Judy might not be lighting it up on the stat sheet. He used three for 37. But every week he runs ridiculous routes. Uh, I want to see just a YouTube compilation of Jerry Judy's routes because he is one of the, already one of the best route runners in the entire league. And uh, my guy, Devontae Parker, on the Dolphins side, 6-61 and a touchdown. So um, not the way we thought the Dolphins season was going to go. I mean, the, this part of the Dolphins schedule was going to go. Um, but, you know, the Dolphins get humbled a little bit here, 6-4 and four now, still very much alive in the AFC playoff picture. But uh, they're going to need to beat the Bills and get some luck here if they want any uh, chance of winning the AFC East at this point, um, especially if you're going to lose games to teams like the Broncos, who we think aren't very good at all. Yeah, I just want to, we're getting a lot of feedback on that Tua situation. Um, I'm going to say this. I'm going to trust Flores in this situation, but I think you only get to do this once. 
And I, I think it's good that you send a message to your young quarterback. However, I, w- I would like to know, and I will never know, what led up to this in the week of practice was Tua kind of goofing around, not taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was overlooking the Broncos. So sending a message, Hey kid, you can't do that during the week. And if you do, you're not playing. I have no issue with the move. I think you get to do it once he used it. Now we can't go back to it. You do it again. You got to make a permanent change. So that's my two cents on that to a move. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on. If you, if you would like me to Randy, of course, We get the New York football Jets against the San Diego. I'm San Diego. Where's my jar? You got to put a quarter in the jar. (laughs) The Los Angeles Chargers. So I'm just going to get the bat out of the way. The the Jets are clueless, dumb, dumbstruck, everything. Then they they still had a chance to win this game. They lose 34 to 28. (laughs) Joe Flacco. 15 of 30, 205 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Yeah. Frank Gore, the oldest living man on the planet, 15 carries, 61 yards, and a touchdown. Um, Perrine, eight carries for 33 yards and a touchdown. I, you know, I, I will say this. I thought Denzel Mims, like, had a decent game, but he had eight targets with only three catches for 71 yards. I'd like to see him get a little bit more. But – our, I think one of our favorite players this year, Randy, and I, I we've gushed about him a lot, a home run pick for the Chargers, Justin Herbert, 37 of 49, 366 yards, three touchdowns. If you're like Felipe and you have him in fantasy, hopefully you start him because this kid is gold right now. He is racking up the points, rushing. Who needs to rush the ball when you're the Chargers? Kellen Balaj had 16 carries for 44 yards. That's really their best running back at this point Keenan Allen you know when you say you should have been the best receiver on the NFL top 100 he kind of got to make statements throughout the year and I I think he's making some statements 16 catches 145 yards and a touchdown I will say I believe he had 13 receptions at halftime so it would have been nice yeah, well, it would have been nice if he would have kept pace with that, Keenan. We want to see 26 catches, not 16. Come on. I would have won my fantasy matchup if he had 26 catches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, Keenan. Help out the fantasy owners here. Uh, Mike Williams, four receptions, 72 yards and a touchdown. Hunter Henry, four for 48 and a touchdown. Chargers got a bright future. Derwin James comes back. Ingram comes back next year. They're going to get another top pick, get some offensive line help in there. They moved to three and seven, and I will say it, the only winnable game the Jets have left on the schedule would be if they had the New York Jets on the schedule. They are going 0-16. Uh, I'm sorry, Jacob. We're moving on now. Uh, two, another great game and one that many in our group were looking forward to because another – <laughs> uh, game where Aaron Rodgers comes up short in the end. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts 34-31 over the Green Bay Packers in overtime. Rodrigo Blankenship, which is uh, on pace to be an all-time great NFL name. Uh, we look back 50 years from now and have sports cards with Rodrigo Blankenship kicker with the one bar on the Colts. I uh, can't wait for that uh, when I'm old and gray. Um, if 
I make it to that point. But Phillip Rivers, 24 of 36, 288 yards, three touchdowns, getting the job done. And this game came down to a fumble in overtime by Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who finished 3 of 55, and that critical fumble, who I know people blame Rodgers for that fumble. I don't really blame him for that. I think that, you know, once you have the ball your possession that is your responsibility at that point but Rodgers still also had a brutal interception in the second half which obviously did not help the Packers and uh you know when you have a lead you know the Packers were up 28 to 7 at halftime or 28 to 14 at halftime uh you kind of have to take care of business and a team that is was so run heavy in 2019 I'm surprised that they could not put this game away I think maybe Matt LaFleur got a little too cute with the passing uh, and, you know, you didn't rely on your bread and butter. Devontae Adams had another strong game, seven for 106 and a touchdown. But, yeah, the turnover is just killing the Packers in the situation. And the Colts' defense, uh, despite giving up 31 points, still made plays when it mattered most. Matt, did you watch this game? I know Marquez Valdez-Scantling said he got death threats for that, which is kind of insane, which is just unacceptable from a fan-based fan standpoint. But who do you put the blame more on here, Scantling or Rodgers? <sighs> I'm going to put it on Matt LaFleur because when you're up 28 to 14 at halftime yeah. and then you only score three points in the second half in overtime, the, you got to find more points. And maybe it is on Rodgers. I don't know. But that fumble didn't lose them that game. Their defense is continually an issue. And you know what? They're leaving that door open. And I'm just going to go on a rant real quick, Randy. I'm sick of the shit. Please just bury the fucking Bears so I can stop thinking about the slightest hint of playoffs. I'm tired of it. Just bury the rest of the NFC North Packers. End it, please. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're looking forward to playing the Bears in the future because when they play teams with uh, that that have competent offenses and good defenses, it's a struggle for the Packers. You saw them blow uh, lose a big game against the Bucks, uh, and they lost the game against the Vikings when they started to play well as well. So uh, the Packers, I, I expect more. I expect them to win these games like this, and I expect them to be the one seed in the NFC. But after losing this game. I don't trust them. Uh, I know I, they lost that game against the Bucks. I just ch- chalked that up to it just being a bad day. But this game, you're up 14. You cannot lose a game like this. Uh, you, I'm just surprised that Matt LaFleur did not hammer Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, and you drafted a guy in the second round who didn't get a carry in this game. So I agree that Matt LaFleur deserves a lot of blame for this because meanwhile, on the Colts side of the ball, who have a top three offensive line. Uh, They have a second rounder at running back, Jonathan Taylor, who had 22 carries for 90 yards. Uh, As a team, they had almost 150 rushing yards. So they seem to know who they are on offense more so than the Packers do, who seem to be just Rodgers go make plays with Devontae Adams, and then maybe Aaron Jones will make some plays here and there. When I think it should be, let's rely on our running game, let's base this off of play-action passes, and then watch Devontae Adams eat after the running game is already established. But who am I to tell a head coach in the NFL about NFL coaching philosophies but to me it seems like the Packers just a little little bit broken here but uh yeah we got one more game to talk about Matt and it's one that I predicted correctly right boy how how did I know I was gonna end up with this one the Dallas Cowboys (laughs) beat the Minnesota Vikings 31 to 28 oh Jesus Randy how about them Cowboys? <laughs> Congratulations. I mean, <laughs> chalk that up to things I never thought I would say in my life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't even know who to blame in this loss for the Vikings because you take a look at everyone that needed to play well, and they all played well except that defense. So l- let's just go through. I- I'm just going to say, CD Lamb, welcome to the NFL. 
I had, you know, I said the Cowboys shouldn't have drafted you, uh, all that stuff. CD Lamb's a fucking man. Like that dude is going to be money in the future, Randy. So he finishes four for 30. He finishes four catches, 34 yards and a touchdown. If you have not seen that touchdown, you have to check it out. That touchdown in the end zone was unreal. Amari Cooper, six for 81, no touchdowns. Dalton Schultz, four for 25 and a touchdown. Ezekiel Elliott, two for 11 and a touchdown. Rushing wise, Zeke, 21 carries, 103 yards. Tony Pollard, five for 60 and a touchdown. Andy Dalton, the Red Rifle, 22 of 32, 203 yards, 30 touchdowns. Minnesota, your defense sucks. Um, Kirk Cousins, he played well, Randy. 22 of 30, 314 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Dalvin Cook, 27 for 115 and a touchdown. Adam Thielen, eight for 123 yards and two touchdowns. And check out one of his touchdown catches. It might have been his first one, I think, where he toe drags like out of the end zone, catches it with one hand. That, like this game had some highlight touchdown catches on it but he played great. Justin Jefferson, the best rookie wide receiver in this draft thus far, production wise, three for 86 and a touchdown. And this was a game that you just can't lose. I mean, Dalvin Cook lost a fumble. Kirk Cousins lost a football, but your defense has got to step up. Your defense can't do this. You can't let the red rifle put 31 on you. No, and I think if it wasn't for that DeAndre Hopkins Hail Mary, we might have two catch of the year contenders in this game, and we still might. Uh, and that Thielen toe drag and that uh, CD Lamb touchdown where he bends backwards and catches it uh, on his back, which uh, was a hell of a catch and a hell of a play by him. So, yeah, uh, I stand by my prediction now that the Dallas Cowboys are going to win the NFC East. Uh, if they lose on Thanksgiving, um, I'm just going to pretend like I never said that. But uh, <laughs> I think now they are in a position, uh, they are in the best position to go 7-9, which unfortunately in this 2020 NFC, that is going to be the record that wins this division. If the Cowboys manage to go 7-9 here, that means they can lose two more games. I don't know who those two games would be against, but they can afford to lose two more games and still win the NFC. So uh, I think the Cowboys get it done which is shocking that I have any faith in uh, the Cowboys, but whatever. All right. We got some news and injuries to talk about quick here, Matt. Uh, and one, a couple of things that came out today, the Cowboys canceled practice uh, due to the, those said Cowboys canceled a practice today due to a non COVID medical emergency for their strength and conditioning coordinator, Marcus Paul, who was rushed to a hospital this morning after experiencing some sort of discomfort. He's 54 years old and they're not releasing a whole lot of information right now, but uh, it's not COVID-19 related, uh, and it seemed like it was a scary situation for a guy who, um, you know, is not totally old, but maybe has some other concerns surrounding him. You know, and that's the dangers of the internet, because people were saying that he passed away, yeah. and we need to stop, like, you know, the, the false crap on the internet just needs to stop, because that's not fair to the family, and you know, just the people that love him, that are friends with him. It's, it's wrong on so many levels, but our thoughts and prayers are to him and his family. You know, we're hoping he makes it out of it. It sounds like a very serious situation. And, you know, like I said, we just hope for a speedy recovery for him. 
Yes, and it's a poor timing. I mean, less importantly, a football game is being played Thursday because, you know, you have a short week and you're looking at every practice means more when you play uh, in a short week. Um, so now that today they did, they did some like film watching virtually and things like that. But when you have a, someone who's rushed to the hospital, a lot of misinformation can spread and you hope that, uh, you know, he's okay and the family's okay. And, you know, it seems like the game isn't in jeopardy because of this. So, uh, you know, we hope that he, you know, whatever you have to do to make sure you're healthy, do the, do so. And the Cowboys, I think, did the right thing by by postponing practice when someone that is a big part of their team gets rushed to the hospital. It's hard to stay focused when that sort of thing happens. So uh, another uh, health situation for another Thursday game, the Baltimore Ravens have five players and four staff members test positive for the coronavirus, and they're all put on the COVID-19 list. Meaning that uh, this game is, uh, I would say, is probably in jeopardy, but the NFL remains adamant that this game will be played Thursday night. Matt, uh, what do you make of this? I, I think it's a dumb decision by the NFL. It's a ratings grab. There's no reason why this game can't be moved to Sunday. Absolutely zero reason. You know, some logistics have to get made, but it's not like the stadium's going to be in use. So just move the damn game so it can mm-hmm. be played. You're going to have, and that's the other thing. It takes three to four days, maybe even longer to know if you test positive for COVID. So you're putting another team at risk in the Steelers. I think you just make the smart move. J.K. Dobbins, J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram are both out. Like you said, multiple people in the organization have tested positive. This is purely a ratings and money grab for the NFL. It's disgusting on so many levels when you have Sunday available. And I just hate this. Yeah, it feels irresponsible uh, to continue. I understand that it's the primetime game on Thanksgiving, but, uh, you know, if you're a league that wants to put the safety of your players and employees first, you're not really setting that example. Uh, Among those uh, who tested positive, we have a couple names, uh, Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins, the two running backs for them have tested positive. So it looks like it'll be Gus Edwards starting this week in place of him. So if anything changes, obviously follow along in football life because, uh, you know, if this game, game does get postponed, we'll, we'll obviously have a, uh, a, a threat about that. So, uh, and in unfortunate news and one of the more heartbreaking stories of the year, uh, the number one overall pick and one of the best looking rookie quarterbacks in a long time, Joe Burrow has torn his ACL and MCL and several other structural issues in his knee after getting smoked uh, in a throw against the Washington football team over the weekend. And if you saw the hit, the guy gets kind of rolled up onto him. It wasn't really anyone's fault, but you could tell immediately he was in the excruciating pain and that it was really bad to begin with. And it looks like FedEx field claimed another one. Yeah. I would hate to be a quarterback playing in that stadium. Just like, no, I'm just going to pass on this one. Um, it, it's surprising. It's unfortunate. I thought Joe Burrow looked really good this year with a very depleted, yeah, I don't want to say void of talent, but the, they need some things in Cincinnati, but yeah. it, I don't think it was a dirty hit. Um, you know, it was just, no. this is part of the problem when you're getting picked in the top couple of picks in the NFL, usually you're going to go to a team that's not very good. Very rare. Do you get, well, I mean, this, the chiefs, you know, traded up to get, Patrick Mahomes so that was already in there but if you're getting picked in the top 10 at a quarterback position chances are your offensive line is going to be pretty shitty and you know we saw that with Burrow and it's unfortunate and you know it it just sucks that it happens but it's the NFL 
Yeah, it's eerily similar to uh, Carson Palmer blowing up his knee when he first started his career with the Bengals. And he ended up having a really good career for them and after them with the Cardinals. So, you know, you hope Joe Burrow can come back from here. Uh, I'm speaking from personal experience, but I tore my ACL, my meniscus when I was uh, a teenager. Uh, I was not even close to the level professional athlete and I recovered in six months so hopefully he can come back and be ready for next season uh, obviously he has much better medical coverage than I had and much better uh, physical training or uh, all this PT that he's going to have uh, you know hopefully he can come back and these guys can recover from this easier these days than it used to be it used to be a career ender it's not so much the case anymore so uh, I'm hoping Joe Burrow can come back and be an effective quarterback and it might be a blessing for the Bengals because now they're not going to want to get another game for the rest of the season. They might have a top three pick uh, and there's a tackle from Oregon who is considered one of the best tackles to come out in a while. So if they can land him and pair him up with Jonah Williams, who they drafted a couple of years ago, uh, maybe that could bolster their offensive line. And when Burrow's ready to go, uh, he could actually be properly protected. So all the best to Joe Burrow. Easier to find guards and centers than they are tackles. Yes. So uh, maybe Cincinnati could be onto something, but if you're a Bengals fan, you kind of get deja vu with that Carson Palmer situation. I, and then I wouldn't blame you for that. Um, all right. Now another quarterback who we talked about before we talked about the ribs with Drew Brees, but I wanted to bring this up because on Sunday it came out that he has 11 broken ribs, Matt. I didn't even realize that we have 24 ribs as people. So nearly half of the ribs on Drew Brees are broken on top of a collapsed lung. Um, I know that they're optimistic. He's going to come back before the end of the year. This feels like his career's over with. Why the hell would you want to come back after you broke 11 ribs? I mean, I cracked a rib in high school and it hurt to breathe. I have no idea what it feels like to break 11 ribs. Uh, yeah. I mean, to me, I, he's got to be done for the year. Uh, do you think we talk about safety? Like this is more like a safety issue for this dude. Once they said two to three weeks, I was like, no shit. There, there, there's no way he, he is not going to be back in two to three weeks. Now they're saying a month, ain't no way in hell he's going to be back in a month. Like this dude's gonna be lucky if he could make it back by the Super Bowl. Yeah, and you're not getting any younger. You know, I think your bones get weaker the older you get, and I think they're downplaying this and they're optimistic he could come back. But you know, it's probably hard for him to breathe now. And I, I read something that a former player said that they broke a few ribs back in the day, and they still have problems breathing. Like this thing lingers forever, and they're calling them rib fractures. And from what I understand, a fracture doesn't really go away; it just does it like kind of heals on its own and it feels better, but who's to say it couldn't happen again. So uh, unfortunately, and if I had to make an unfortunate prediction here, I would say that we've seen the last of Drew Brees in the NFL and his announcing career uh, is going to begin after this season. So if that's the case, Drew Brees, it's been a pleasure to watch you and congrats on your hall of fame career. Uh, all right. And some positive news, Matt, that came out today and it's, it's a weird transition to make. Hold on, Randy. Real quick. Uh, thanks to Corey Richmond. We, he just dropped a nugget. Denzel Ward okay. will miss several weeks with a calf strain. That's a big blow to the, uh, the Browns defense. He's played really well this year. Yes, that's a huge blow. So thank you, Corey, for dropping that bit of knowledge on us. Yeah, so the Browns are going to be you know, hurting in the secondary for a few weeks. I mean, he might not be back to the playoffs then if that's the case. Well, all right, and that's uh, all right. We're going to move on now to uh, some, some good football news, which we like good football news here, Matt, on the Audible. 
which is the Pro Football Hall of Fame, announced a group of 25 finalists for the Hall of Fame in the 2021 class. And it is uh, eligible for the first time with Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Jared Allen, Lions, former Lions receiver Calvin Johnson. Uh, to me, uh, Peyton Manning and those those names feel like locks to me. But uh, did you get the chance to look at the whole list? And what are your thoughts? I, I didn't get a chance to look at the whole list. I'm kind of familiar with some of the guys. I think Jared Allen belongs. I, I would be shocked if he didn't get in on the first vote, but I could see it. Calvin Johnson, Charles Woodson, and Peyton Manning are locks. I, I do not see how you cannot vote those three in on the first time. Peyton Manning, I, I, I think that's already done. I, I don't think there's any disputing that he's going to be a first bat Hall of Famer. I feel the same way about Charles Woodson. I, I think those two are in, no questions asked. Matt, I'll share my screen and show you the, the the names as we go along here, and I'll get your thoughts as we go along. Fantastic, thank you, Randy. That does that definitely helps. Yeah, so we got Eric Allen here, the Eagles. You know, I, I like Eric Allen. I think he should. He's he's gonna he should get consideration. I hope he gets in. Jared Allen, you just talked about. I do think Jared Allen. Uh, is a Hall of Famer. Is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? That's a different conversation. So uh, I do think he'll get in eventually. Uh, Willie Anderson. I absolutely think Willie Anderson should be a first time in guy. He has been fantastic. He's a great offensive tackle. I remember him many a times, really underrated, but a fantastic offensive lineman. Yeah, Rondé Barber, a hell of a corner for the Bucks for a long time. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he gets in on the first. Well, this is his fourth time. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think he's iffy. I don't ever remember him being the best player at his position, and I think voters care about that a lot. So uh, we'll see about Rondé Barber. Cornelius Bennett is not a name that I recognize. I remember Cornelius Bennett. Um, I liked him when he was with the Colts. I remember him with the Bills. He had that run with the Falcons in the Super Bowl where they got smoked by uh, Denver. So – yeah, my, my kind of thoughts on it, close, but he's probably not going to get in. Yep, uh, Tony Baselli, a uh, great tackle in his own right back in the day, but a short career, all things considered, I think that's going to hurt him. Yeah, yeah, it is definitely going to hurt him. And as you see, he's this is his seventh time or sixth time, yep. and I think it's going to go to seven. Uh, and then Leroy Butler, uh, fourth time as a finalist. I don't know. What do you make of Leroy Butler? No, I, I mean, Leroy Butler was really good, but – I mean, he wasn't great, so I think he stays on the outside looking in. Uh, and then he gets to some names here that I think more people are familiar with that have legitimate chances here. Alan Fanica, Rodney Harrison, Torrey Holt, Calvin Johnson. I, I think Calvin Johnson's a lock and Rodney Harrison should be a lock as well. Rodney Harrison was a game changer for so many years and really kind of put an emphasis on the safety position during his time as well. So I think he should get in. No questions asked. I like Alan Fanica, but I don't ever remember him being the best guard in football. And I think that's kind of what it takes as a hall of fame offensive lineman. You kind of have to be the best at that position. I love Torrey Holt, but I just think that stigma of the Rams offense and having Isaac Bruce and Marshall Falk kind of hurts him a little. I think Torrey Holt was a big part of that greatest show on turf but like you said if you're the third guy it might be harder for you to get in because I, I definitely think he was uh, a big part of it but I think Marshall Falk and uh, Kurt Warner were, were bigger ass parts of that Calvin Johnson absolutely a lock John Lynch interesting name obviously an executive in the league now um, I think he probably was considered the best safety for a little while there with, with Tampa what do you make of John Lynch's candidacy 
I, I hate him as a GM, but um, as a player, absolutely. I, I don't, there's no question in my mind that he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I don't think you can have a Hall of Fame without John Lynch. Yeah, I mean, this is the ninth time on the ballot here. So uh, one of these years, you'll have to make it in. Uh, probably a, as great of a lock as you can get. Peyton Manning, um, without a doubt, one of the three greatest quarterbacks of all time, uh, was the best quarterback in the league from 2001 to probably 2008. Uh, I can't miss say enough good things about Peyton Manning. Yeah, I don't know. He, he was all right as a guy, you know, just kind of <laughs> average. You know, he didn't really leave a mark on football. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, okay, I'm going to uh, move on from your sarcasm now. Uh, Clay Matthews, which is not the new Clay Matthews, which is the old Clay Matthews. Uh, and Corey Richmond says he hopes he finally gets in. This is his uh, fifth time on the ballot. Yeah, I, I like Clay Matthews. The Matthews family is kind of like the Samoan family in professional wrestling. Um, really a prestigious name in the NFL, but yeah, I'm iffy on him. I wouldn't hate it if he got in i could see it but i just don't know how many people they're going to put in in this class so he may have to continue to wait yeah that makes me worried about guys like sam mills richard seymour and steve tasker as well and fred taylor for that matter and zach thomas yeah i don't none of those names i see getting in i think zach thomas was a hell of a linebacker for a long time with miami but i think he's overshadowed by uh you know brian Urlacher and some other players in that same era uh fred taylor was a really good running back for the jags but that just doesn't feel like a hall of fame name to me heinz ward same thing was a unique talent to pittsburgh um but doesn't feel like a hall of famer however reggie wayne does feel like a hall of famer to me yeah Unfortunately, I think he falls under that wide receiver. You're going to have to wait your turn type of deal. Um, Calvin Johnson's getting in just because he was so unique, but Reggie Wayne's going to be hurt by his era when he, in which he played, which was the pass happy era. So I think he gets in, but he's probably going to have to wait a few years. Yeah, Patrick Willis, I think, hurt himself by retiring early. Uh, I mean, Henry will say he obviously is a Niners fan. He's one of the best linebackers in the league, probably the best linebacker in the league for a five-year stretch, but decided to hang it up in 2014, and ultimately I think that's going to hurt his case. I really hope not because I thought Patrick Willis was a hell of a football player. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, the, the brightest stars in the sky tend to live the least longest life. So – I want to see Patrick Willison. I think he deserves it. He was the best defensive player in football, you know, not only linebacker, but for a two to three year stretch, absolutely one of the best defensive players in football. I sincerely hope he gets in. And then we got a pair of Woodsons here. Charles Woodson, obviously a uh, first timer, probably a lock to get in. He had an unbelievable career with the Raiders and Packers and Darren Woodson uh, had a long career with the Cowboys. Yeah, like we said, Charles is a lock. Darren Woodson, really good, really great player. I don't know if he's in the Hall of Very Good or if he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I kind of feel like he's that tweener, and usually with those tweeners, they don't get in. And a name I'm not too familiar with, Bryant Young. Yeah, I remember Bryant Young pretty well. Um, Big defensive tackle for the 49ers. Um, You know – he had some good years. He, obviously, he's a semifinalist. He's not a Hall of Famer in my book. I just I don't think there's enough there stat-wise to really pump that up. Okay. So that's the 25 guys we went through there. I guess that's something we didn't really plan for, so that was pretty cool. Um, 
you know, I, I like getting the Hall of Fame news because that means that, you know, we're talking about some of the greatest players that ever played in the league. And it's a prestigious honor that I think a lot of guys who are legends of the sport would say they'd rather be a Hall of Famer than a Super Bowl champion because random dudes who are were never good are Super Bowl champions. But it takes truly the elite of the elite to become a Hall of Famer. So I uh, love talking about that, Matt. But now... You know, this is going to be our only show of the week, so we got to talk about some Week 12 football. Um, we're not going to break down each and every game like we normally do because this week is different and it's like a wild time of the holiday season for so many of us. So um, we have three games on uh, – Thanksgiving Day, which is Thursday. But before you get to Thanksgiving, there's a lot of prep that goes into that holiday. And typically you have large family gatherings, you travel, you see your loved ones, you prep a big dinner and you get together and you talk about your thankful format. This year, obviously different than usual years, Matt. Uh, what are some things you're doing this year on Thanksgiving to, um, you know, maybe be safe or something's different than usual? Nothing. We're just going to sit at the house and, you know, we're not cooking anything extravagant. Yeah, it's just going to be a quiet day. I have to work Friday, so I, I honestly feel like at the end of the day, I'm just going to just chill with my wife and kids, kick our feet up, watch some movies, and just enjoy the day. I like that. A little, a little quiet time with the family. I mean, you you, you guys uh, have a beautiful family over there, so I hope you guys have a great day. And for me, I typically go down to Long Island to see my family uh, which is a three hour drive for me. Typically I go down with my mom and my stepdad and my siblings, but this year uh, my mom is considered high risk and she's very, uh, you know, afraid. So in order, in an effort to be safe, we're not going down to Long Island and I'm not even sure I'm seeing my mom. So me and the, the fiance here, we just moved into a new apartment. We're going to have her brother and his wife over and her mom over and have a small little get together over here. I don't know what the what it's like for you but uh once it's about a couple weeks out turkeys start flying off the shelf so uh, we decided to go grocery shopping just last week and the only ones available were these giant birds so we bought a 20 pound freaking turkey for five people <laughs> so i'm gonna be eating turkey for like a month after this so it's just okay with me i know a lot of people are good with the leftovers so i'm gonna be looking into creative ways uh to do that and uh, me and my fiance have hosted thanksgiving before we're looking forward to cooking together and having a small thing and my brother-in-law my future brother-in-law is a Cowboys fan so I have to sit through and kind of root for the Cowboys now that I made this stupid prediction so that is going to be interesting uh, especially when there's alcohol involved um, I'd love to hear your comments on how you guys are going to be enjoying football this Thursday how you guys are going to be celebrating Thanksgiving uh, with your family because it'll be different for probably most of us uh, this year considering uh, the ongoing pandemic but if you're like me uh, you take a midday nap and you probably miss the second half of the first game. And this year it might be the whole game might be worth a nap through because it's the Houston Texans traveling to play the Detroit Lions because we know that the freaking Lions and the freaking Cowboys have to play on a Thanksgiving every year. It's the stupidest tradition the NFL can have. Uh, maybe the Cowboys, I understand, but I have no idea why the Lions are one of the teams they hitch their wagons to every year. Um, but regardless, they're on a 1230 Eastern time, which is probably what, 9 a.m. for you? Is it 10 a.m. for you? I don't understand. Arizona. 1030. 1030. 10.30 for you. Um, but by the time this game starts, I'm probably a few drinks in. I'm enjoying some shrimp, maybe some dip. I don't know. We've eaten a little bit at this point. Uh, but I'm excited that there's something on TV that I could talk about. Some fantasy stuff. Maybe I make a better two, Matt. You know, what's your mindset during this first game? Uh, honestly, just try to make it through it because it is. Uh, I'm not looking forward to it. But I get to see Deshaun Watson. So that's yeah. good enough for me. Yeah, last year, I believe it was the David Blau <laughs> year for the Lions. Uh, did they play the, the Bears last year or was that the Vikings? 
No, they they played the Bears last year. So Blau had a long touchdown early, right? Do I remember that correctly? Yep, and the Bears won. Yes, I do remember this. Uh, (laughs) I remember getting so excited that David Blau threw a a long touchdown. I was like, oh, maybe this game's going to be good. I should have known better. but uh, It was good. Mitch Trubisky (laughs) led the Bears back on a last-second drive. I mean, Mitch owns the Lions, so it was an entertaining game for me. So maybe what's good for Matt Bushnell is not good for the rest of us. But when the Lions are involved, you have to kind of take uh, little victories here and there. I'm interested to see how different it's going to be without fans, um, because typically this game is so focused on like family and traditions and things people do with their family. So to not have anyone there is going to be weird, I assume, for everyone involved. And as far as the game goes, I'm not very excited for it at all, considering the Lions got shut out to the Panthers last week and the Texans. Really, like you said, the only good thing to come out of this game is that we get to watch Deshaun Watson. Yeah, yeah. And if I'm making a prediction on this game, Randy, I'm going to take the Texans to move to four and seven. Why? Because Deshaun Watson's the best player on the field. Yeah, it's hard for me to disagree. I do not know the status of DeAndre Swift or Kenny Galladay at the moment because that that might change how I look at the Lions. But after that pathetic performance on Thursday, I don't understand uh, what they're doing. I, I cannot believe Matt Patricia is still getting trotted out there as the leader of men. Um, however, uh, you know, maybe the Lions were overlooking the Panthers in the anticipation for this game. I don't know. I don't even care. Uh, I don't even remember how often I've seen the Lions win on Thanksgiving. I'm sure Leon uh, really looks forward to Thanksgiving every year to watch the Lions lose. Uh, it's a tradition like no other, honestly. And usually by the fourth quarter, I've finished my first plate and I'm ready for a snooze fest. And I wake up about halfway through the first quarter of the Cowboys game. So I, I have these Thanksgiving times in my mind here and I'm looking forward to that because it's just, even in this crazy world, we still get football at least. And I'm looking forward to that. Um, so I, I'm going to get your official prediction here. I'm going to go Houston, uh, 27, Detroit, 16. Yeah, I'm going to go Houston 28, Detroit 13. Yeah, uh, no no love for the Lions on here, Leon. I apologize, but we're thankful for you, my friend. We're thankful for you. Uh, moving on to the second game, which is always the Cowboys. And it's unfortunate we can't get a Creed halftime show. I don't know if you've seen that clip going around social media. From 2001, Scott Stapp wearing a ridiculous number 11 Cowboys jersey. (laughs) But uh, this is the game that typically has a a banging halftime show. Uh, But, you know, this is uh, a game that has huge NFC East implications in the Washington football team traveling to Dallas. Both these teams, three and seven and tied for second in the division, only a half game back for the lead, Matt. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. Very important for the NFC least. And I am going to take the Washington football club in this game. Okay. You really don't want my prediction to come true. I, I, I see you there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, both of these teams, despite being three and seven, have a ton of talent um, offensively for both. I would say Antonio Gibson is an interesting player. I, I like a lot. Terry McLaurin is a, a player. I like a lot. Alex Smith going to be the comeback player of the year. And I like that he's looked good so far and on defense. Chase Young laid the wood on so many players last week. He looked amazing. Montez Sweat looks great. Their front looks really good. Um, they need secondary help, but when you have a great pass rush, it improves the rest of your defense. 
Now, with Andy Dalton back, the Cowboys are a lot more interesting to me when you don't have Garrett Gilbert or Ben DiNucci. Uh, you have uh, Zeke playing better. You have Tony Pollard coming in and making plays, too. But the, the trio of Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup is really good, too. I really uh, enjoy that aspect, especially with Andy Dalton coming back. Not having Andy Dalton uh, is a big dip between those two other guys. Obviously, Dak Prescott, this would, be, this would be a different team altogether, I think. But I like the dynamic of this team with Andy Dalton a lot more than I did with those other quarterbacks. The Dallas defense is pretty bad, so they could totally blow up this whole thing for the Cowboys. But if they could somehow win against the Vikings that on the road in Minnesota, I think the Vikings offense is better than the, the, the Washington offense. I'm going to go Cowboys here to continue along with my prediction. I'm going to go Cowboys 27, Washington football team 24, and actually a pretty entertaining game. Yeah. I, you know what? I'm going to take the Washington football club 31 to the Dallas football club 17. <laughs> Should we just start calling all the teams FC Washington, FC Dallas? You know, I'm kind of feeling it. I like it. I, I do like that. But we should start calling them FC Landover and FC Arlington then, because that would properly represent their municipalities. I like that too. That, that's an even better idea. <laughs> uh, all right. And we have a uh, primetime game on Thanksgiving. I love that they added this uh, third game here. I don't know when they started doing this. It was only a few years ago. But uh, this is just the third time an undefeated team has played on Thanksgiving. I don't know if you know, it was the 2011 Packers and it was the 2015 Panthers. And uh, now the 10-0 Pittsburgh Steelers welcome the struggling, falling off of a cliff, COVID-ridden Baltimore Ravens. This is setting up to be a blowout for the Steelers. However, I can't get it out of my head that Baltimore somehow could win this game. Yeah, I'm taking the Steelers, man. I just I can't see Baltimore mustering offense against that defense. The Titans played a really good game, and the Steelers are better defensively than the Titans are. And it's a short week. There are no weapons. Minka Fitzpatrick's going to be all over the place. Steelers are going 11-0 and after this game. They're going to win this game 24-20. to I know all things are pointing to a Pittsburgh win. And if they win this game, then there's really just one more game left on their schedule that is losable. And that's at Buffalo. Um, these two teams hate each other. I think it's one of the, one of the few real rivalries in the sport these, these days. Um, and Pittsburgh did win in Baltimore already this year. I just, I, I can't get it out of my head that somehow Baltimore is going to win this game. And I have no real explanation for it other than this is a division rival and it's a, you're not going undefeated on our watch situation. Uh, and maybe Lamar Jackson looks like MVP Lamar that he had last year. Maybe Clay's Campbell comes back and makes a difference. Maybe big Ben has an absolute clunker. I, I think that we haven't seen a real big, big Ben implosion game yet. So, um, you know what? My gut just tells me Baltimore is going to win. And it tells me they're going to win 20 to 16 and the Steelers will be no longer undefeated. And uh, the ghosts of Miami's past will be popping champagne bottles once again. That's bold, Cotton. Let's see if that strategy plays out. <laughs> I love dodgeball. I was watching that movie earlier today. All right. So those are the three games we're truly going to get into here, Matt. But uh, as far as like week 12 in general, when I look at the schedule, there's not very many great games. Um, I don't know. What are you looking for uh, in week 12 in general? Uh, I'm going to take my three locks of the week. I'm going to go with three locks that are for sure will happen. I'm going to take the Colts to beat the Titans. 
I'm going to take the Packers to beat the Bears, and I'm going to take the Chiefs to beat the Bucks. Okay. I knew you were going to take the Chiefs-Bucks. Uh, I think Chiefs-Bucks is the game of the week. Just looking at the slate here, I think it's the best matchup. But I could also see it becoming a blowout very quickly, <laughs> given the Chiefs and the, the Bucks uh, quarterback situations at the moment. Uh, as a Giants fan, I have to mention that, you know, they're playing the Bengals without Joe Burrow. So to me, as a Giants fan, I would like to see them get a big win over a team not in the NFC East. So I just, just win a game by double digits against a bad football team. And like, I, I know, understand like Giants fans are optimistic and they should be optimistic, but I want to see the Giants win a game that they should win by a lot. Don't let this become a 49er situation where you're playing a backup quarterback and you're sleeping on them and then you get blown out. This That would be unacceptable against a, a Bengals team. So I really want the Giants to to put their foot down and say, uh, you know, we're going to win this game and give our fans something to look forward to. Um, I'll give you three locks of the week too if you're, if you're doing this now. Uh, I'm going to go Raiders over the Falcons. I'll go Titans over the Colts. And then uh, I will go... Um, let me get, I'm going to get an upset in here. You're going to take the bears over the Packers. No, I'm not. I'm definitely not doing that. <laughs> I'm going to go Denver over the saints. That's what I'm going to do. I like that pick. And, uh, Ricky, who is so generously joining us with his time, he asked me to please take off my hat. Ricky rumor has it that Taylor Bray is going to be starting for the Chicago bears on oh. Sunday nights. Oh. So, it's I, look, I, I, I can be a homer, but I ain't stupid. And if Taylor Bray is starting at quarterback for the Bears, it is going to get a hell of a lot worse. That's not good, man. I don't even know who Taylor Bray is, but I think I'd rather have Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles. <laughs> they're, they're practice squad quarterback. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right, Matt. Uh, before we say goodbye, uh, I want you to give us a fantasy football update. We have two leagues, obviously, connected with the Audible here. Give us the 12-teamer update. Well, you know what? Your guy right here, Randy, is sitting pretty in the two-seed. I extend my win streak to six. I am now eight and three, sitting atop, perched beautifully. Um, the Mafia, Chris Frederick, is the only other team that is ahead of me at nine and two. EJ, who's also in that North division sits at eight and three. So we're starting to see some playoffs taking shape here. If the playoffs were to start today, today, Randy, Chris Frederick gets a bye. I get a bye. Always. You got to love those coveted bye weeks in fantasy. Cause at least, you know, you're not finishing <laughs> in one of those uh, get bounced early games. Mm -hmm. uh, Felipe's at the five seat. He's going to have to play EJ. That's going to be a tough matchup. And Stephen Furlong is leading our East Division at a putrid five and six. <laughs> and he is slated to go against Corey Decker of the West Division. At Corey is six and five. So true to how the NFL is shaping up this year, that is how our divisions look. Very NFC East-esque uh, for my boy, Stephen Furlong. But, uh, hey, representing upstate New York with pride. I know he doesn't live here anymore, but uh, once upon a time, uh, me and him used to run things at a community college here in the capital region. So, shout out to my guy, Stephen Furlong. All right, now, in the 10-team Audible football uh, in the Audible Fantasy League, it is just the lights are going out on me. They are just shutting, kicking me out here because I have now lost three straight. Uh, I lose to Ace Ventua, who I don't even realize that they made a name change here. Let me just double-check on 
on who this is. I apologize for not being prepared for this segment. Um, we got Brett Sanchez, who was Blazing Brett, uh, changed his name to Ace Ventura on obviously a wordplay on Ace Ventura, so I respect it. Uh, but he just wallops me 153 to 126. He is now second in the East Division, and I fall to fourth. It is just over for me now. Uh, Danny Dimes went in 122.4 over Aiden Schrader. He improves to second in the West Division. Aiden falls to fifth in the East Division. And why don't be my guy, Anthony, he wins 103.92 over Taurus Suck. And Anthony goes into third in the West Division, while Taurus goes to three and eight. Uh, unbearable, who I'm not sure who that is, Matt, but you get you lose a close one. This was a really good game. Uh, <laughs> you uh, lose 140 to 130. He moves to eight and three. And he's in first place, uh, the best team in our league this year. And you fall to five and six. And it's getting late early for you now. Yeah, it's my guy, Ricky. Yeah, my fellow White yep. Sox fan, my fellow Bear fan, terrific guy. And you know what? I'll say this. Ricky messages me about fantasy football advice here and there. You know, who asked me who to start? Hey, you know, I caught a lot of a little bit of heat. I gave him some bad advice. It wasn't intentional. I, I have no you know, desire to tank Ricky's team. But he sends me a message before our matchup. And he apologizes to what he's about to do to me in fantasy. <laughs> I wanted to whip his ass and I lose because of Tom Brady. You know, if, if I couldn't have more hostile feelings towards Brady, Oh, that Monday night game hurt me. It hurt. I was in the lead, Randy. I was in the lead and Brady fucked me. Well, Ricky, I apologize. I didn't realize you changed your name in the league. Uh, this admittedly is one of the leagues I care about the least now because I'm four and seven. I do set a lineup. I do try to a certain extent, but I don't keep track of everything like I do some of my other leagues. And our boy Jacob getting a big win uh, <laughs> to prove to five and six. We need, he needs to win out to win uh, to get a playoff spot, which so do you. Uh, he beats Mac Attack, who was seven and three, now seven and four, still in first place in the West Division. Uh, but now, uh, you know, it's looking a little bit more interesting for Jacob if he could possibly went out here with Deshaun Watson down the stretch. He might have a chance. Um, but yeah, this, this league is, uh, it's, it's over for me, but it's still going to be pretty interesting down the stretch, Matt, with the 10 teams. Uh, all right. So now we're, it's, it's obviously waiver wire Wednesday tomorrow. Who are you having your eyes on? I know I'm still in it when basically all my other leagues, except for this one uh, it's, you know, it's crunch time with the playoffs approaching. Who are you looking for to pick up ahead of tomorrow? I'm not telling anybody anything. You know, every time I mention this on this show, Randy, I'm sick of this crap because I put in my waiver claim and boom, someone else takes the guys that I'm interested in. I'm on to everyone's game. You know, it wasn't bad enough. I lost Saquon Barkley and Cortland Sun. Now guess who could miss Sunday fo- the Sunday game? Adam fucking Thielen. Like, when's enough enough? Screw you guys. Figure it out on your own. <laughs> You're not getting any help from Matt Bushnell this week, but uh, to me with the the Raven situation, and you're not going to, you know, get JK Dobbins or uh, Mark Ingram this week. You got to go all in on Gus Edwards. I think, I I think that he's going to be the guy. I know the Steelers is a bad matchup, but he is the guy who is going to um, get all the work. And, you know, the Ravens are still a good running attack. So I think he's the one guy running back I'd be looking for. Yeah, Cordell Patterson's out there, guys. Pick him up. Pick up Cordell Patterson. The Bears' uh, offense is a juggernaut. Don't do that. Uh, if 
by the way, if Taysom Hill is still available, he's no longer going to be available, uh, eligible as a tight end, but he played well enough at quarterback that if you need a quarterback, uh, I would look into him uh, in that spot. Wayne Gallman has scored four t- uh, t- uh, touchdowns in the last four games for the Giants. If you need to run another running back, I'd look at Wayne Gallman. Uh, and it looks like Debo Samuel might be coming off of the IR for the 49ers, so it might be someone to look forward to there too. Um, okay. I'm not going to give you guys much more fantasy advice because like, like you, I'm not trying to let you guys beat me there. Um, so Matt, I wanted to end the show, you know, it's Thanksgiving week. It is the week of giving thanks. Uh, so I wanted to ask you guys, maybe in the comments too, you guys want to chime in, you know, this week, this is our only show this week. So I want to get Matt. you know, what are you thankful for this year? I'm thankful that it's almost over. What, <laughs> you know, it's been one hell of a year. Um, but you know, just everything this year has felt like 10 years in one with COVID election stuff, you know, baseball only playing 60 games, you know, lockdowns, no lockdowns, you know, 260,000 Americans have lost their lives to COVID. So it's not so much what I'm thankful for, but I'm just going to plead with you guys be safe you know, enjoy what you have. Never take a day for granted because you never know when it's going to be your last. So just love the people that you love. Yeah. And that's one of the things I typically say every year, but I think this year more than ever is I'm thankful for life in general. Uh, no, nobody's life is guaranteed. No one's guaranteed to see tomorrow and your life could end at any given moment. And someone you love could be taken from you at any given moment. So I try not to take any aspect of life for granted. I try truly try to appreciate every single thing. And it's hard to do so Uh, when life goes by so quickly, it's hard to stop and smell the roses and appreciate every little moment. But uh, you know, I don't take anything in this life uh, for granted. Like I said, I I appreciate the show. I appreciate getting the opportunity to talk football with you. Uh, I appreciate uh, all the people who watch the show and comment, interact with us. You know, we don't take you guys for granted. You're truly one of the more uh, exciting parts of the show for me when I get to come in and have you guys make fun of me for opinions or takes or whatever. I I live for that stuff uh, at the end of the day. So uh, I appreciate you guys. I'm thankful for my family's health. I'm thankful for my beautiful fiance and the family that we have here. Uh, So uh, I hope whatever you guys do with this Thanksgiving holiday, you guys are doing it safely. You guys are doing it with the the right mindset. Uh, And just know that this, this year is almost over. We've almost made it this far don't do anything irresponsible and at the end of the day it is november so we got one more month to make it through 2020 and 2021 might be looking a little bit brighter for all of us so uh i'm thankful that we can be a small part of your lives you're a big part of my life and i want to thank you guys for that so matt uh do you have any parting words for the audience before we say goodbye catch the step back podcast on wednesday with our guy Leon Tompkins and Jacob Anthony Moses. They're, they are Jets. You know, Jacob's a Jets fan. Leon's a Lions fan. <laughs> so while they may not know their football, they sure as hell know their basketball. One of the best basketball podcasts out there. Um, also, Total Basis Podcast. I'm not sure if they're going to be on Sunday, but don't forget to check them out on Sundays, Felipe Malicio and Sean Connor Flannery and Dong City with Vince Mercandetti and Henry Maldonado Jr. Randy, I just want to say I'm thankful for you as well. You're always just so kind and effusive in your praise. So I couldn't <laughs> ask for a better podcast partner. And like you said, no show on Friday, guys. And I know 
it's it's going to be a hole in your heart on Friday, but you can just sit back and reflect on you know the pain and suffering it is to be a New York Jets football fan. <laughs> Uh, or be thankful that you're not a New York Jets fan uh, if you're not a Jets fan. So, um, <laughs> Matt, those are great plugs there. And if you haven't got the chance to check out Dong City, uh, you made an appearance yesterday. How was that with Henry? Uh, it's, it's always a blast with Henry. Two very opinionated people. I would say we're probably the least buttoned up people and we are not <laughs> PC at all. So um, it was a wild time and we took some Mets shots. We took some shots. I, I, I made a couple of Nick shots there. And you know what? At the end of the day, we love our sports, Randy. We love baseball. Of course, it's a little easier for you being a Yankees fan. I know how difficult it must be being a New York Yankee fan. Um, <laughs> but you know what? Those are other, there's other people out there that we have to suffer through baseball seasons. But I got a Tony La Russa rant in there, so it was all good. Yeah, I have yet, honestly, to uh, have checked it out yet, but I will check it out tomorrow. I'm looking forward to listening to that. And, you know, this is a good week to catch up on some previous pods if you've missed them. And we have a bunch out there for you to enjoy as well. So, you know, we thank you guys for for supporting us and checking those out. And, Matt, you, you're too kind to me. Uh, you got to be a little bit harder on me. I think Henry would like you to get the anger out of me more often. So <laughs> uh, we'll have to look forward to that. We got to get Henry on this show because – uh, there are some Niners predictions that we made before the season that probably need to be revisited. Uh, and they're looking like uh, they're not going to make the playoffs. So Henry, you're coming on the audible here in the future. Jacob will get you on. Leon will get you on guys. Thank you so much for all the support. And this week more than ever uh, be safe with your families. We miss you. We love you. We're thankful for you guys, all the support, all of the, whether it's on Facebook live, YouTube, all the audio platforms. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you guys have a blessed holiday. Enjoy the football, eat a ton of food. We will see you here back next Tuesday on behalf of Matt Bushnell. I'm Randy Hammond saying see you guys next week. <laughs>